with us today is David Malpass, and he was four years as the World uh, Bank uh, uh, president, uh, and he also served uh, in uh, uh, Under Secretary of Treasury of International Affairs for the United States. So six years of public service. One smart guy. He knows where the international market is. Uh, how are you, uh, David? Hi, John. Good to talk with you. I'm good. I'm, I'm just worried about global growth. You know, things aren't going well in quite a few parts of the world. Well, I was on, I issued a press release uh, the other day uh, after the CPI came, and uh, I said that uh, there's an economic struggle going on uh, between the United States that wants uh, 55 or $65 oil versus uh, Russia and the OPEC nations that want $85 oil, and it's an, it's an economic war. Uh, and uh, Russia needs the money to, uh, for their war in the Ukraine, and Russia needs their money for their newly started war through the Wagner Group in Africa. Uh, and, um, you know, who's going to win that economic war of oil? I'm worried that they're winning. You know, Russia's working with Saudi Arabia, that with some of the other producers, and so they limit their production. That drives up the price, and that has consequences all over the world. It hurts poorer people because they need energy a lot. They need it to produce electricity, uh, to produce clean water, uh, and to get their economies growing. From Russia's standpoint, it's okay to have the world destabilized by high oil prices. Also, it's, it's connecting Russia to China more and more every month. Uh, and that's a negative for the long term. It's, it's uh, n not useful uh, to have those two powers. Russia is the biggest country in the world. Uh, uh, China is uh, the, 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 uh, used to be the biggest population. I think India now has taken over. But China's got a powerful economy, and the two of them together are uh, not a good alliance against the U.S. It comes at a time. I mean, think, what, think of the unfortunate timing of all this. The strategic petroleum reserve uh, that the U.S. used to have has been cut uh, massively. It's down below 350 million barrels. Uh, and so that's not enough to uh, really call strategic. Uh, and it's coming at a time when uh, the when the uh, e economy uh, isn't as strong as it ought to be. We're at full employment. And yet the numbers come in still on the weak side. And all of this, I think, connects to not being willing to produce enough energy for what the U.S. needs and the world needs. Well, I made a uh, press uh, release the other day where uh, America, all they have to do to win that strategic war uh, of uh, economic war with gasoline is open up the open up the spigots in Alaska, United States, and uh, uh, Canada. We could probably take it up to at least 10, 15, 20 percent. And uh, the price of oil will come down, and no longer will uh, Russia and, and, and uh, OPEC nations control, uh, you know, control the supply. The, the, clearly, there's been more production than anyone thought. Remember back a few years ago, they were talking about Hubbard's Peak and there being a, a shortage of uh, oil, but it, it turned out not to be true. In fact, a big part of the production in the U.S. is from the Permian Basin. Uh, but I think there also needs to be an address for the, those, those worried about greenhouse gas emissions uh, from, a climate, uh, from a climate standpoint. 
really need to recognize that what the world is doing right now, because of high oil prices, uh, they're, they're turning to coal. Uh, and so you see this giant uh, resurgence of coal. And so in Europe, uh, their greenhouse gas emissions uh, are going, have gone up uh, because of the shortage of natural gas and uh, because of the high price of oil. Uh, and so this is harming from whichever way you look at it. I think there should be more burden also on the Fed to realize that if they're trying to bring inflation down, they have to be more pointed at the uh, supply side of the economy. Get, get U.S. output up and world output up, uh, and you'd be able to bring interest rates down, not keep pushing them up. And I also said that interest rates, the Powell should consider lowering interest rates because our economy, uh, you know, with, uh, with the inflation at 3%, I think that's sufficient to lower interest rates because uh, our country is suffering and the banks are scared to lend money. Uh, John, I'll push back on that a little bit. I, I think it's really important from a communication standpoint that the Fed uh, say and really mean that they're going to beat inflation. 3% inflation, I think, is too much. Uh, but uh, I think the way that they can do that is to recognize that they, the Fed, play a critical part in the supply side of the economy in getting production up. They could talk about in the long run, the dollar is going to be a strong, stable currency. Uh, and, that, and that would comfort markets and people would want to make more investments in things that would give them a long term payoff. So communicating that we're going to have a policy, uh, both on the fiscal side, I think the Fed should be speaking out a little more, quite a bit more, on the idea that the government's got to stop just blowing the budget deficit every year. Year after year, uh, they go way over where they should be in terms of government spending. The Fed, the Fed has a role in that because they're responsible for stability of prices and stability of the dollar. And it's very hard to do when the government is spending this much money. So the Fed could talk about it, uh, could talk about fiscal, and they could certainly talk about the dollar being stable for the long run. Uh, and that would get people investing more, prices would come down, and the Fed would be able to cut. That should be their, their, their goal. The goal of the Fed should be getting to rate cuts, get, get, helping the economy get to rate cuts as soon as they, as they can. Agreed 100%. Uh, in, in addition, uh, one of those uh, breakfasts that we have on Saturday morning, uh, we, we, we had a NASA person on a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, they blamed uh, global warming on the United States. And I said to them, uh, you got 300 million Americans, or 330 million, whatever. Uh, you got three billion uh, Chinese and Indians, and and they 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 pay no respects at all to global warming. Don't you think we should have them uh, before we pay respects to global warming before we punish the American people? Uh, okay. One one problem with that argument is historically the U.S. has produced a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. So I think in order to really talk about the issue, uh, you uh, uh, have to have both the historical analysis, where did the emissions come from, and then where are they going to be coming from over the next uh, 30 years? So a projection, and then actually have policies uh, that, that address the concern. Uh, and one of the problems is at each point, 
what is happening in, in the real world is people are looking to spend as much money as possible on the, pro- on the problem rather than actually fixing the problem through reduced greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and, and so that, that uh, gives you a, uh, uh, a – so we need the data to show that China and India not only produce a lot of greenhouse gas emissions now, but end up planning to do a lot more of that into the future. And that's not going to be solved by electric vehicles. That has to be solved uh, by, by uh, uh, conversion of their economies. We haven't talked about, John, but uh, nuclear power, I think, is really important and increased uh, production of, of uh, natural gas. Both of those have less carbon intensity, lots less carbon intensity than the current uh, energy mix in the world. Bottom line, though, is the, the people in the world need lots more energy, especially the poor. And so if, you're, if your answer is, no, no, we're not going to do that, then you're really dooming people to hunger, uh, to lack of education, to malnutrition for the children. And that's the, that's the real world. You mentioned Africa at the beginning. They're in a dire straits. Uh, I was in Niger in, in March. I spent a lot of time with the president. And one of the big concerns that he has is China's the one helping them produce energy, and they desperately need energy. It's not a, it's not a balanced uh, global economy with the U.S. being weak uh, in Africa. Agreed. And uh, you talk about nuclear energy. I had Governor Youngkin on the other day, and we talked about the SMR, small modular reactors, that are going to go be, come, start coming to the United States by 2030 to produce nuclear energy to substitute for fossil fuels in the future. Uh, wouldn't it be good if the U.S. government were saying that is going to be uh, uh, an important part of the solution to the, uh, to, the climate, uh, to the climate challenges. Well, I look forward, we're out of time, but I look forward to m- many more discussions, especially how to help the world on energy in the future. And uh, God bless you, and thank you for everything you've done for America. Continue to speak out for, for America. Again, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thanks, John.